0: Shakespeare's play, The Tempest, there is an allusion, there is a phrase that has passed down into our common usage. One of Shakespeare's characters says, misery acquaints a man with strange bedfellows, strange bedfellows. And that idea, strange bedfellows, maybe you've heard that phrase before, it is passed into our common usage, we use it to refer to uh, strange bedfellows of politicians who they might disagree about 99% of things, but suddenly when they're looking for votes, they'll work together on 1% of things, they're strange bedfellows, and yet they find themselves forced together. You think of that, strange bedfellows, in in the context of odd couples together. It's Jack Spratt who could eat no fat and his wife who could eat no lean. You say, how did those two end up together? And anytime we see pairs, couples that don't seem quite to fit, we notice the incongruity, the oddness of that. They are strange bedfellows. And I start there because we might be tempted to think that the pair we are discussing tonight are strange bedfellows. And I'm referring to verse number 14 of Hebrews chapter 12. If you have your Bibles tonight, we have been focused on holiness. What is holiness? How do we get it? And what does the Bible have to say about it? Well, last week we started in Hebrews chapter 12, and we looked at God's role in our holiness. We saw in verses 5 through 12, or 5 through 11, that so the Holy Spirit is telling us that God is committed to our holiness. That he chastens every son, he disciplines every child of his. If someone is not chastened, is not disciplined by God, they are not his child. God disciplines every child of his, notice in verse 10. He for our profit, he disciplines us for our profit that we might be partakers or sharers In his holiness. God is committed to make you holy if you are one of his children. You are holy in your position before God. If you're a Christian tonight, you are holy. The Holy Spirit has entered into you. He has sealed you. He has regenerated you. You, at your inmost core, are holy in your position before God. And yet, we are being continually exhorted in the Bible to also be holy practically, to take what is true inwardly of us, we are holy, and bring it out to every aspect of your life practically so that you are not holy only, if you will, in a kind of theoretical way, but in a very practical daily way so that your words can be said to be holy words, that your actions are holy actions. Your thoughts are holy thoughts. That is, they reflect the character of God himself. And tonight we see in verse 14, this exhortation, follow peace with all men and holiness. Now, let me ask you if those two things would seem to you at first to be strange bedfellows. What does the term holiness mean biblically? Going back to the Old Testament, the very nature of what it looks like to be holy was to be what? What word would you put in? Separate. Separated. God is holy in the fact that he is separated from us. And so if we have the idea that holiness is separation let's be clear, holiness does involve separation. God willing, I want to look up the topic of separation, biblical separation, next Sunday evening. That's absolutely a part of holiness. But if we embrace the idea that holiness is separation and we don't understand what that actually means biblically, we are going to think that pursuing peace and holiness, well, those are strange bedfellows. And sometimes people who seem most to be pursuing holiness seem to be the people who are at least at peace with others. They're the ones who are always fighting. They're the ones who are always bickering with other Christians. They're like the old nickname that I got when I was a younger lawyer at my law firm. A partner, a senior partner, grizzled veteran of the law firm would, in this big case we had, he'd throw out all these ideas for strategy. We could argue this. We could do that. Well, I'd actually researched the law. He was completely unburdened by that. I had researched it, and I found myself telling him over and over again, no, we can't argue that. No, we can't. That's not going to work. No, judge isn't going to accept that argument. And finally, in kind of just a frustration, is there's like, okay, Dr. No. And I started getting known as Dr. No. He said, tell me what I should actually do. But it seems like sometimes those who think holiness is only about separation are just Dr. No's. Everyone around. And, and they can cloak it in, well, I'm just earnestly contending for the faith. Well, I'm just standing resolutely for the truth. Well, I'm just pursuing holiness. But you know, friends, actually peace and holiness, pursuing peace and pursuing holiness are not strange bedfellows. I think we're going to find tonight that holiness and peace with others actually go hand in hand. You can't have holiness before God unless you're pursuing peace with all men. They're actually not strange bad fellows, they are completely connected to one another, both biblically and in the context that we have here. Tonight in a message I'm just going to entitle Peace and Holiness, Peace and Holiness. I want to challenge your notion of what it is to be holy and how it relates to your pursuit of peace with all men three things we're going to look at tonight. First, a command. Secondly, the connection between these two, what could seem to be strange bedfellows. And thirdly, a Christian concern. A Christian concern that I think will hopefully help bring these two ideas together. First of all, the command. Will you look with me in verse number 14? Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. The first aspect of this command here is, notice, the verb, follow. Now, this word is translated in our King James Version as follow. But we're not going to understand what that word means unless we understand a little bit about the Greek word underlying it. The Greek word underlying it actually literally means to flee. To flee, as if if you are running and so the, the word actually is used most often in our Greek New Testament to mean to persecute or to be connected to persecution. Like, think about this picture. Someone is being persecuted and someone is chasing that person, is pursuing that person to try to harm them. And that verb, to chase, to follow, to pursue, is the same idea that comes out here when it says to follow. Another way that you would simply say it in our English today is to say you would pursue. Pursue like you are a hunter trying to capture the prey. You are stalking peace. You are pursuing, you are chasing holiness. Now, we should stop just there for a moment and, and ask ourselves and myself a penetrating question. Would anyone look at your life and say that you are chasing peace with all men like a hunter pursues his prey? Like the guy who is after the deer that he has shot and he is going to continue stalking the blood trail until he finds the dead deer. Is that your relationship to peace with everybody? Everybody, all men, no limitations. Is that the way you pursue peace? Well, then take the next step. Do you pursue holiness like that? Would you say, as God is my witness, I'm not being proud at all, but I really believe that in this area, I am pursuing holiness in that kind of way. Wow, that's a a sobering thought. I think we could almost go home there. Are you pursuing peace and holiness like that? Well, let's notice what he's asking us to pursue. We are to be chasing, stalking, pursuing, first of all, peace. Peace with everyone. Now, we often, when we come to passages like this, do we often think about the exception before we think about the rule? You hear, pursue peace with everyone, you say, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, uh, there are exceptions, aren't there? Well, let me assure you, there are. Romans 12 says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Okay, there are some people out there that do not want peace, and there is no amount of effort that you can do to be able to make peace with them. And Paul is being clear, I'm not talking about them. As much as lies in you, if it be possible. Okay? So there are two limitations. One, is it possible? And two, is it possible as much as lieth in you? But let's set that aside for just a moment. Notice what he's just saying. The rule is, pursue peace. Pursue it, chase it. You may not be able to catch it in certain circumstances, but don't just look at it and say, well, it's not worth trying. Pursue peace with all men. Now, notice why he has to use the word pursue, chase, follow, because peace doesn't happen just simply of by nature. There was something I came across as a remarkable statistic. Do you know it's been calculated of the past 3,400 years, of the past 3,400 years, how many years do you think humans have been at peace? Of those 3,400 years, how many of those have there been no recorded warfare wars during that time period? I have here 268. 268 years. Of the last 3,400 years of human history, 8% of recorded history in the 20th century alone, friends, it's been recorded that there have been 108 million people killed in war. 108 million people killed in war of some kind in the 20th century. Astonishing numbers. That is because humans are not given to peace. Humans are not given to being at harmony with one another. Our brokenness, our sin nature, our pride, our flesh pushes back against peace. It does not pursue it. And so therefore, Scripture tells us, chase it. Pursue it. Pursue peace with all men. Notice the second thing that he says. Pursue holiness. In other words, we can also equally say holiness doesn't come naturally. Holiness is not something that simply you say, well, I'm a born-again child of God. I'm positionally holy before God. I'm holy on the inside. Therefore, I can kick back and not worry. My father used to say, you are as holy as you want to be. And that's exactly true in this passage. Pursue holiness. How holy do you want to be? How much like Jesus do you want to be? Notice he gives here the the reason for our pursuit. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. This has caused the expositors some challenge. What does it mean that without practical holiness that you are pursuing, you will not see the Lord? Well, it seems to connect to what Jesus says in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The element of our holiness, of pursuing our holiness, even imperfectly, appears to be a mark of our regeneration, of our relationship. With Christ, It's an absolute essential, in other words. So again, here's the command, and we should just, again, hold ourselves up to this standard. Can it be said of us that we are pursuing peace with everyone? We're actually in pursuit of it. And are we pursuing holiness? Are we desiring to be Christ-like, to be like him in every single area of life? Are there no closets that we've shut the door to and piled up junk in there and said, except that room? No, pursuing holiness. But notice secondly here, this connection, not only a command that we've been given, but what is the connection between pursuing both peace and holiness? Is this, are these the bedfellows that we would have expected him to bring together here in this context? Would we have expected him to say pursue peace and holiness? Well, I want us to say clearly, just first of all, Holiness regulates our pursuit of peace. And this is what I want to talk about, God willing, next week. I want to talk about the doctrine of separation. What is biblical separation and how does it work? There is a role in which we must step away from peace with someone in order to preserve truth. There is a biblical doctrine of separation and there is a, 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 a place for holiness to regulate peace. I'm not going to cover that tonight. What I want to cover is how the pursuit of holiness requires the pursuit of peace. What is the connection between pursuing holiness on the one hand and pursuing peace on the other? Here's one thing that we can say clearly, the connection between the two. The connection between the two first is that God commands both. God commands you to pursue holiness and he commands you to pursue peace these two things we could say have some connection to the great two commandments in the law Jesus says love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and all your strength he tells you to love God and did you notice what the second commandment is the second commandment is like unto it it's similar to it and what is that love your neighbor as yourself that the vertical relationship with God is commanded to be like unto the horizontal relationship with others. God commands us to pursue holiness and to pursue peace. Jesus puts these two things back into back in the Beatitudes. Verse 8 of chapter 5 of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What is verse 9? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. These two things never need to be in opposition to one another. Rightly understood, they are simply back-to-back. They are cousins. Now, why is it that these two things are equally commanded? Well, the second thing we can say is that, that peace, the pursuit of peace, is a criteria for holiness. In other words, you cannot be like God, you can, and you cannot be right with God if you are not pursuing peace with other people. Jesus made this very clear in the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to what he said in Matthew chapter 5. He said, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought or has something against thee, You've committed some offense against him, and it comes to your mind as you are there ready to offer your service of worship to God at the altar. Listen to what Jesus says. Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. He says, do you want to be right with me in the way you worship me? Then you better be right with the person that that you've done wrong against. And we could say that would be true for all of us. Do you want to have a relationship with God that is marked by holiness? Then what are you doing to pursue peace where your offense, where your offense has harmed someone else? Go your way, be reconciled, pursue peace, and then come and offer your service of worship to God. Jesus says something similar in Matthew chapter six after he's taught us, what it is to pray. Listen to these words in verse 14 and 15. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. He says, do you want to have a relationship with me? Well, your relationship with me is going to depend on your treatment of other people. If you have a heart of forgiveness toward others, I will extend a heart of forgiveness toward you. We will have fellowship with one another. But if you will not extend a spirit of forgiveness, if you will not reflect my character, then you will not experience my gracious character toward you. What a, what a, what a remarkable thing. What a sobering thing that Jesus says to us. Holiness. God, I want to be like you. Then God says, well, what are you doing to pursue peace with those whom you have wronged? Are you pursuing peace with them? And are you pursuing peace with those who have wronged you? Either way, Jesus is saying, make sure you understand that your relationship with me is directly conditioned on how you pursue peace with those around you. Jesus is laying this out as a criteria for us being like God. And this is not just for those who are within our sphere of friendship, not just those who are within our church body here at Straight Gate. You remember what Jesus said also in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 in verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, affirmatively bless them, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. What's he saying? What is is holiness? Have you ever seen a, a, a son? who had said he's a chip off the old block? What does it mean? He looks like his dad. Jesus says, do you want to be a chip off the old block? Do you want to look like your dad? Then love your enemies because that's what your dad does. Bless them that curse you because that's what your dad does. Do good to them that despitefully use you because that's what your dad does. Listen to what he says. He says, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Do you know what it is to pursue peace with all men? It's to pursue peace with your enemies, to love them, to bless them, to do good to them, to pray for them. You wanna be like God? That's what holiness is. Christ-like, being like him, being a chip off the old block, having his life and his nature invade every area, every area practically of your life. God says, you wanna do that? Well, you better pursue peace. Because that's what my character is. And isn't that what Jesus came to teach us? Why does, he bless, why does he say blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God? Because the son of God came to earth to be what? A peacemaker. He came to be a peacemaker. And if you want to be like him, you'll be a peacemaker. That's what you'll be. We always are to be pursuing peace with everyone. In fact, listen to James chapter 3. James 3 describes the wisdom that is from above, God's wisdom, divine wisdom. And what does he say? Again, putting these two things back to back. The wisdom that is from above is first what? Pure. And then what? Peaceable. Pure, peaceable. Holiness, pursuit of peace. These things are not strange bedfellows. They're part of our calling as Christians to be holy. And therefore, if what God has joined together, if we could say, let's not let ourselves put asunder. Let's not let people put asunder. You see, one of the most important things that we forget about when we're not pursuing peace is that we're forgetting what is, I think, the greatest obstacle to our holiness. It's pride. It's pride. What was the great sin of the Pharisees? The Pharisees embraced being separated. They embraced being different than the world around them. They embraced trying to seek out the commands of God and obey them. And they were completely unholy people. They looked at Jesus and said, you're a friend of publicans and sinners. And that was, that was an insult to them. You hang out with reprobates. And they could not. If you would have asked them, is that holiness they would have looked at the holiest man who ever lived and said, over my dead body, that looks nothing like holiness. That looks nothing like the separation of God we see in the Old Testament. And what did they miss? They missed that it was their own pride. They missed that they were the ones who were standing up in the temple in that story that Jesus told in the book of Luke and looking at that that publican and saying, God, I thank thee that I'm not like this guy over here when inwardly they were just as reprobate. They were just as vile. It was their pride that held them up in their own minds and in their own hearts and reflected their own unholiness. And so often when we adopt a kind of mindset that says, we are the people and wisdom dies with us, we are the ones who know exactly what God is saying. We are the ones who are walking exactly in that. We are not pursuing peace with other people. We are content to just chop relationships off and content to just be Dr. knows in every circumstance of life. What is it? We're just reinforcing our pride. We're just reinforcing this, this view of looking around at others and saying, aren't we so good? And we fail to realize that that wisdom is not from above because the wisdom that is from above is pure and then it's peaceable and it's gentle and it's easy to be entreated. You remember in the Old Testament in, in Isaiah chapter 65, God is speaking to his people, these people who are, filled with idolatry who were filled with all kinds of abominable practices and you remember that famous phrase that God use, uses of them he says these people stand off to themselves and says and say depart from me for i am holier than thou we get that phrase today holier than thou holier than thou what is that it is the people who in their pride don't pursue peace with other people And in that pride is a barrier to their own holiness, to their own likeness, to the character of Christ. Friends, do we understand that peace and holiness aren't strange bedfellows? If we want to be holy, if we want to reflect the character of God, it's going to come in the way we are peacemakers with other people. We pursue peace with all men, even our enemies. So first, a command. Secondly, a connection. And third, will you notice with me a Christian concern? Now here, I just want to come into the idea that these first century believers would have had to come into. Remember last week we talked about the idea of who these people were? They were people who were being persecuted. They were people who were utterly being opposed for their testimony for Jesus Christ. And now I want you to see what they are being called to do. Pursue peace with all men. In other words, pursue peace with those who are persecuting you. Pursue peace with those who are opposing you. And not only are you to be pursuing that, you are to be pursuing it with the knowledge of who's the one who is allowing this to come to you. You say, what do you mean? Do you remember last week when we looked at the fact that God connects their challenges, their persecution, their suffering with what? With what that God was doing. What did God say? He said, I'm the one who's chastening you. I'm the one who's disciplining you. And I am using people who are persecuting you and opposing you and challenging you. I'm using them to bring about your discipline. Will you notice with me here in verse 11? Of chapter 12, the author says, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the what? What's the next word? The peaceable fruit of righteousness. Remember in James 3, the wisdom that comes from above is first pure then? Same word. What kind of righteousness does God work in your life when you are experiencing the suffering and the persecution of others? He's pursuing a peaceable righteousness. A righteousness that is not just directed toward him, but a righteousness that is directed in your pursuit of peace to others. You see, we need to be very clear about this, friends, and I hope this is helpful for us. Do you know that God does not punish you as a Christian? He doesn't punish you. Have you ever seen something bad come into your life and you immediately looked up and said, God, why are you punishing me for this? One of the greatest, one of the greatest truths of this, I think, in the differences in this was when I was reading in, in the book of Genesis in our, in our yearly reading plan. And it stood out for me. Do you remember when Joseph's brothers, who were pretty fleshly men, pretty, pretty, um, they weren't men who pursued peace with all men, put it that way. Do you remember what happened when they were caught out and their, the, the cup was found in their sacks and, and they had to go back into Egypt to meet up with Joseph? Do you remember what scripture recorded that they said? They, I think it was they tore their clothes and they said, what is this that God has done to us? That was their view of God. God, you're a punisher. What have you done to us now? Why do we deserve this? God, do I really get your punishment for this? What did Joseph's, What was Joseph's view of God? Joseph's view of God was, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. What a complete contrast between those two brothers. God, what are you doing to us? What, what is this that you've done? God, you meant it for good. And the point that I'm making here is, when you face suffering and difficulty in your life, it's not God punishing you? Because God doesn't punish his children. What does he do? God disciplines his children. Punishment looks backward and says, you did this, and now this is the consequence. You are paying for the bad thing that you did. Friend, who paid for the bad things that you've done? Jesus paid for them on the cross. And if God punished them a second time, he would not be just. He has punished you completely in Jesus Christ. God does not punish you. What does he do? He disciplines. You say, what's the difference? Punishment looks backward and says, you did that, and therefore you deserve this. Do you know what discipline says? Discipline says, you did that, and here's what we're going to do to make sure you don't do it again. You See the difference? One looks backward and punishes. One looks forward and corrects. And this is why I say, and it's my view, Parents, you shouldn't punish your children. If you want to be like God, you should not punish your children. You should discipline them. You don't say, You did this, and now here's that costs three SWATs. No. Your job is to say, You did this, and how are we wisely going to correct you to make sure you don't do it again? You see the difference? It's not punishment. It's discipline. It's correction. And that's what God does with us. And the point here is that God is using human beings to make you holy. He's using human instruments to make you holy. In other words, there's a pastor that gave this wonderful picture on this. Maybe this will help you. Imagine that your life is a building. Have you ever seen even our church building here with scaffolds built up around it? That building is your life, your Christian life pursuing holiness. And I want you to imagine that your scaffold, the scaffolding around the the building of your life is full of people. And what are they doing? They're working on your building. Some of them have a hammer and a chisel in their hands, and they're chiseling away. They might be your enemies, but whose chisel is in their hand? God's chisel. There are other people, it's your spouse, and there she is or there he is on the scaffolding of your building and maybe they're applying some paint. Whose paintbrush is it? It's God's paintbrush. There's the guy who cut you off on the way to to work this morning and you were tempted to get frustrated and lose your cool and lose your temper. He's up on the scaffold too. He's working on your building. Who's working on your building? God is. Who is he using it? He's using the hands of the human beings that you come into contact with every day They're up on the scaffold, and they are working on God's behalf. He is disciplining you. He is correcting you. He is bringing you into the likeness of Christ with the hands of others. So what's your concern? The first Christian concern is this. What is God doing through the people around me? What's God doing through them? And that's what allows you to pursue peace with all men. What allows you to pursue peace with your enemies by blessing them and doing good to them and praying for them? Because you can say, God is doing something through them. God is using them right now. And so I pursue peace with them. I pursue love with them. I pursue their good, even when they are doing me wrong. Why? Because they're up on the scaffold of my life and God has them at work making me holy. What is God doing through the people around you? Are you pursuing peace with them? You know, friends, I think one of the biggest things for us, practically speaking, is how are you pursuing peace with the ones who are closest to you? The wounds of our spouses, the wounds of our children, the wounds of our children, of our parents cut the deepest. They do. And unless we are committed at all costs to pursue peace with those who are closest to us, we can be very tempted to to, to forget that we're missing out on holiness. We're missing out on God's building project when we are not pursuing peace, a spirit of peaceableness, of gentleness, of, of being easy to be entreated with those that are around us. Friends, is your concern what God is doing in the lives of those who are around you for your sake? But the second thing here is, look with me at verse number 15. After telling us to pursue, to follow peace with all men in holiness, he says, looking diligently. That's a participle. While you're pursuing peace and holiness, be looking diligently. Lest any man fail of the grace of God. Literally, to fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. You say, what's the Christian's concern? His concern is what God is doing through others for you. But the Christian's concern is also what God is doing in others. He says, look diligently, lest anyone, us, fail of the grace of God. Why? Because holiness is a group project. Holiness is not something that you get by isolating yourself from the community of God's people, from isolating yourself from your relationship with others. Holiness is something that we are in it together as a church body for. And for you to pursue holiness for yourself requires you to pursue peace and see what God is doing in the lives of your Christians around you. Look diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. It shows us that our pursuit of peace is included in pursuing the holiness of one another so that we may grow in our holiness, in our Christ-likeness together. Well, let me ask you tonight, Are you seeing peace and holiness as strange bedfellows? Are you seeing the separation of holiness as as somehow a, a reason not to pursue peace with all men? Not if we're seeing the Bible together. If we're seeing the Bible as God wants us to, we need to recognize that to be like Christ, to be holy, is to be a peacemaker. It's to pursue peace at all costs, if at all possible, as much as lies in you, if it be possible, live peaceably with all men. Let's make sure that this week we're asking ourselves, am I pursuing holiness? Yes, am I pursuing it? And also this, am I pursuing peace with everyone and particularly with those who are closest to me?